Shot. He scores! And the Ballers win! Helena is no longer undefeated! I'm not superstitious, but I am a little stitious. Barons win! Barons win! Cody Jansen stopped 92 out of 95 shots, including a penalty shot in overtime. Somehow he still only wound up the third star of the game. You like that? Jansen has a heart. Y'all smoked it crack! Alrighty, let's get it going. It's Cody Jansen. Coming to you live on World Hockey Airport, presented by Lord Co. Auto Parts, your go-to auto parts store since 1974. View store hours and services at lordco.com. It's Cody Jansen with you on the show today. In about 20 minutes, we'll get Tyler Kuhl on. We'll talk East Coast with him and then West Coast later with Annie O'Donnell at 1240. If you are in Alberta in a minute, we'll get connected with Adam Ermintrout as well in Saskatchewan. And don't forget, you can join the conversation anytime on 12 Ounce Sports, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Twitch, Zingo TV channel 761 as well. The big story, if you missed it, it's Leon Dreisaitl and Jim Matheson. Lots of reasons for why the owners are playing the way they are in terms of winning and losing. What do you think is the number one reason for the losses now? Is there, is there one thing that you, in your own mind you're saying, we got to get better at that? Yeah, we, ha- we have to get better at everything. Would you like to expand on that? Nope. You can do that. You know everything. Why are you so pissy, Leon? Hmm? Why are you so pissy? I'm not. I'm just I, answering your question. Yeah, you are. Whenever I ask you a question. I gave you an answer. Not a very good one. Okay. Yeah. I have one more for you. Leon, you show your frustration on the ice. Last game against Ottawa. Is that a good thing when you show it so the other team knows you're frustrated? Yeah, it's a great thing, for sure. Good. Yeah. We could chalk that one up for sassiest comment of the year. I don't know. I mean, I'm just loving all the pissy comments now that are coming out of Edmonton. It's something where you don't usually hear NHLers speak their mind a little bit like that, but it was funny to hear them throw it back and say, hey, well, if you know everything, why don't you just write about that as we snap it over to Adam Ehrmantraut in Saskatchewan. Erm, I want your thoughts on that conversation, conflict, whatever you want to call it, because I don't think that... Either of them was exactly in the wrong here, but also I'm going to side with dry side all, all day, every day. Yeah, I think, uh, well, just this isn't just like based off that, um, you know, it's, I've watched a lot of the Leon Dreisel press conferences over the years. And I mean, Jim Matheson definitely, he asked like weird questions. Like, you, you know, we posted the Nugent Hopkins clip where he asked him if he's going to fight again. And then, Larry asked Miko Koskinen if he, he thought he was an NHL goalie. And then there's another time where he asked uh, Connor McDavid if he had his wisdom teeth out because that's why he, he thought he was getting sick. So, I mean, there's definitely a history. Um, yeah, definitely both both in the wrong, both in the right, whatever you want to call it. Um, I think that we're trying to settle one wrong as a whole, you know, everything. I, I thought that was maybe maybe a bit much, but I mean... For, uh, for Matheson to do that, and you know, you saw guys like Bobby Ryan and, and Mark Mathod and, and Jeff O'Neill kind of chime in, where it was like, you know, you're you're being asked that question because he's trying to lead you in a direction. It's like, okay, well, you know, our goalie has to be better. Oh, like, you think your goalie sucks? And it's like, okay, well, our D zone isn't good enough. Oh, you think the coach isn't smart enough? So, you know, it's, it's kind of like a lose-lose answer. Like, 
I don't know what he's, he's really expected to say, but I mean, for Jim Matheson to fire back at that, and that, that's definitely not their first encounter, but I thought the funniest part was how he doubled down. He's like, oh, I got another question. I actually do like when you get mad on the ice. Like, that was, that was something, but yeah. And you know what? Like, I'll give Jim Matheson credit because he went on Inside Sports last night with Reed Wilkins as well, and I heard it, and he owned up to it. You know, he he kind of went out there and said, hey, if I don't say something, he feels like he was kind of wimping out. So he felt he needed to fire back at Dreisaitl. Now that is an issue in, on its own where journalists feel like they need to argue, fight, compete with athletes. Where do you stand on that? Is that a little bit too much of an attention grab in your mind? Yeah, I think that is too much. Like, just because, you know, as a as a journalist, you're dressed, you go in there and ask the questions, like, you know, and maybe if you're in the locker room and stuff, you develop a relationship with the players and stuff like that. But as a journalist, it's not your job to be the headline guy, right? Like, you ask your question, you get out of there. It's, it's not your job to win an argument with the player. And, you know, technically, it's not mandatory that the player sits there. I mean, it's definitely a duty of theirs and something they shouldn't be doing. But if Drysdale chooses to not answer Jim Matheson's questions, it's not like, what's Jim Matheson going to do about it? Not write about him in his newspaper column. Like, I, I think that's kind of the, the issue. And you got guys like Mark Spector going out on Twitter and clearly defending a guy who he's had a long relationship with and, and trying to fire back the player's leadership and, and stuff like that. I think that's a bit of a joke just because it's like, like the players are the one talking to you guys every day i mean you're asking the same questions and i think part of the issue too is they haven't really played it like they played two games in their last 14 days i, I think that's that's a bigger issue here 100 percent. there's i mean you know they're looking for something to talk about they are you know needing something to talk about essentially so they're trying to make a story here but you kind of mentioned it's not dry job to speak to the media and that, that was a lot of the argument from some of the journalists saying, hey, no, he does actually have to speak to the media. That's why he's getting $8.5 million. Where do you stand on that? What's what's the argument in, in you know, or who's on the right side of that argument? Um, yeah, look, I, I think media is a part of the job, and if you want to grow the game and speak your mind, it's a part of the job. But if you want to answer the same questions and, you know, the questions that he gets asked, like, and you could tell even in McDavid's the other day after the Ottawa game where I didn't like the whole, I mean, he was, he was being a little salty about it, but I think, you know, it's, it's like, okay, like you get asked this question, you're, you should answer it. But at the same time, eventually he's going to be like, okay, we have the top two leading scores. Like, do you think that like they're not going to say that ever, but it's like, well, you think it's our job and you know, it, it definitely should be a part of it to go and do media and, and speak to the fans and stuff like that. But, to do it every day and to have Jim Matheson continue to ask you these, these questions where it's like, like, do you really have to ask him if he's going to, if he was expecting to play like shit tonight, like, like you pretty much did like the last year. So I do think it's, it's a duty, but I, I think the reporters could also throw him a softball every now and then where it's like, okay, we get that you're, you're not doing this, like maybe lighten the mood, you know, stuff like that. So it's, it's on both, you know, dry saddle should, should be doing the media, but the, the media should maybe switch up their questions. Like, it's just every day. Like, so you guys still haven't played, but you're still on the losing streak. What's that like? Like, you know, 
Okay, back to the hockey side. Obviously, the Oilers have Florida tomorrow night. I, I guarantee it. You, you watch the Flames and Panthers. You're a Panthers fan now at heart. What's you know what should fans expect here? It's kind of been a long break. I gotta assume the Oilers are itching to get back at it after a you know it's a brutal loss against Ottawa. Let's call it what it is. Are and now Florida's coming off of a pretty bad loss against Calgary. Like, this is not going to be a game that anyone can take lightly or it could get ugly quick. No, exactly. And, I mean, for Florida, I'm not really sure what they're trying to do with their goaltending right now. I, I mean, Spencer Knight, they, they never really signed a backup. They just kind of expected him to get the job. But he didn't play great last night in Calgary. And, you know, Florida, I, there's a stat. I forget what it was, but it was like they haven't gone down two goals in X amount of games. And it was, it was pretty crazy. So, yeah, I mean, for Edmonton, it's it's not like they're really getting blown out these games. You know, like they got blown out, I think, like Minnesota or LA, like 5 1, the game that they got kicked out. But for the most part, it's like they lose 3 2, they lose 4 2. You know, it, it's never, they're not really ever getting hammered by it. So I think that's that's one of the things to maybe expect. Like Florida's not going to go in there and put on a 10 spot. And if they do, I mean, I'm going to the game, I'd be pretty excited by that. But I mean, you know, I don't think it's going to be a 10th spot or anything. I think Edmonton's just going to be really diving in and say, okay, like, it's on us to fix this, right? The, the Ottawa games, I won't call it a fluke, but that's what they're going to try to say. So with Miko Koskinen likely getting the start, I've seen Perlini didn't skate today. Is there a little concern that the Oilers could be on the wrong side of a blowout here at home? I, I just don't see that happening. I think, you know... You blow the lead to Ottawa. You're you're better than Ottawa. I know things are bad, but you're better than Ottawa. You know, it, it's just okay. Let's let's dial in. We're playing great team, and, and maybe that's what it is. Where I'm not saying they took Ottawa lightly, but they definitely were playing a little too loose. And I mean, McDavid and Drysdale. It's kind of on them to have a night too. I mean, they McDavid has three goals in his last 13 games, and I think Drysdale has three in his last 10 or something like that. So. It's not like they've been lighting the world on fire. You know, you look at last game and those guys didn't score. They, they had four goals not from not those guys. So I think, you know, it's kind of on them to, to have a night, but at both ends the ice too. I would agree with that. I, I think that's a fairly, you know, neutral stance that most Oilers fans would take. But a burning hot question, who's more to blame? for the way that the Oilers past couple of months have gone. Is it, is it Ken Holland or Dave Tippett who deserves more heat? I think it's probably Ken Holland. I mean, sure. Dave Tippett, this and that, but he's got a right side that consists of Tyson Berry, Evan Bouchard and Cody Ceci. I mean, Cody Ceci, he's played very well for the Oilers, but if you're in the offensive zone or whatever, what are you going to do? Take it down Darnell Harris's side or take it down Tyson Berry's side? I think we both know the answer to that. And, he kind of boggled the defense a little bit where he circled back on Tyson Berry. And I mean, he didn't really get a left shot defenseman for the, the third pair. So he's got Vladis Inugas got put on waivers. Chris Russell's, you know, your seventh defenseman. And then in back to back years, he signed Kyle Turris to a two year deal. And that clearly hasn't worked out. And he signed Derek Ryan to a two year deal the following year. And that's probably worked out even less. He's got two goals, no assists, minus 13, like 31 games or something like that. So, I mean, for if you look at all the teams across the league, it's it's really their you know kind of league minimum guys like the Michael Bunting in Toronto, the Carter Verhage in Florida, and, and guys like that. You know, if you can get 
10 or so goals from 10, 15 goals from and, and have them really play a role in your team. That's, that's how your team's going to do good. And Edmonton really doesn't have that at all. They've, they've tried to find it and it hasn't worked out. And obviously the goaltending is kind of the, the one you look at where he signed Mike Smith to a two-year deal and his comments I'm sure will be, well, he wasn't a starter until he was 30 and circled back on Mika Koskinen. And it's not that he circled circled back on these guys, it's that he wasn't willing to pay a price for Darcy Kemp. Okay, Colorado gave up Connor Timmons and a better pick or whatever it was. It just, you can beat that package if you choose to. And he chose not to and didn't think it's worth it. And it's kind of biting him in the ass right now. Oilers fans, chime in as well if you're watching on 12 Ounce Sports Facebook, YouTube, meet your comments up on screen right now. I want to know your thoughts on this current roster. Who's more to blame? It was dry sidle on the right or the wrong. Anything you want to chime in on today, it's Cody Jansen, World Hockey Report. Now, Adam, you, you posed an interesting question of how different would the Oilers look if they had signed Jacob Markstrom a couple of years ago on UFA Day? Well, I, I think that's an interesting thing to really mull over, but I want your honest opinion of, you know, is this is, is that a guy who really changes your roster? Like, I mean, how, how different do you think they actually would be if they had a number one in Jacob Markstrom right now? I'd say five wins. I think you could probably chalk it up to, to that because if you look at their their games right now, they haven't allowed one goal in a game or less than one goal in a game since, like, their game against Winnipeg where Skinner kind of stole, like, a 43 or 44. So I think probably five wins. I mean, the four depth still isn't, isn't great and the the back end clearly isn't great but if you get a goalie who, who makes that extra save or doesn't get that extra mistake i'd say it's good for probably five wins 10 points somewhere in there it's not like the goalies have been awful it's just you're expecting them to let in three or four on 30 with with probably a squeaky one and you know there's a couple one goal games to look back on and say hmm so i i I'd go with that now let's snap it around the league here quickly. Montreal, the name Kent Hughes, the new GM. He's obviously a longtime agent. You brought up the fact that he does represent stars still in the East. I think Latang, Bergeron are his big two. If if I'm wrong, just correct me there. But do you yeah, think that this nurse, I guess. do you think that this moves the needle for Montreal on their rebuild, or do you think this could be a bit too big of a risk for you know one of the largest hockey markets in the NHL? Well, first off, I, I do think that he's more of like their contracts guy. I would say I do think that Jeff Gordon's kind of still the the man who's going to be in charge. Maybe Hughes kind of does his thing, but I do think that it's more of a more of a kind of GM assistant GM role, if you want to call it. Um, I'm interested to see what Montreal does because pretty much all the players got they they have a lot of term left. I mean, Price is a big one at four or five years left, but. Gallagher six or seven years left. Anderson five or so years left. Nick Suzuki's uh, seven. Petrie four five. Like they got a lot of guys with term there, and you know it's it's kind of interesting. Like if you're Montreal, you you probably should rebuild. I mean, you've got a lot of kind of middling guys. Your leading goal scorer has seven goals for halfway through the season. I, I think that's an issue. But what are you what are you getting for Josh Anderson at this point, right? I mean, what are you getting for Brendan Gallagher? They're good players and they've been good Canadians, but is a team going to go all out to give a guy, you know, to give up a first rounder for a guy who's, you know, going to have 40 points for you? I don't know. And I, I think that's, I, I do wonder how Kent Hughes interview went where it's like, 
okay, what's your big master plan here? How are you going to, you know, fix Montreal and all these contracts? And I'm sure he had an answer. I, I'm just curious to see what it was. So Timo Meyer has one more year left at $6 million. Obviously, he had that hot game the other night where he had, what, four or five talks in the game. I think it was five, actually, right? Yeah. So what do you think he's going to fetch on – If I mean, let's just stick with the trade market here. Oh, geez, we're at 1220 already. we got to hurry this thing up here. Timo Meyer, do you think he gets traded this year? Because I, you feel like for a team like San Jose who needs to enter a rebuild mode here – you got to dish him out, don't you, while his value's there? Well, you, I think you got to look at Thomas Hurdle first because he's a UFA at the end of the year, and they, they were kind of saying, okay, we're going to see what's out yeah, there maybe for I him. Maybe I cross those two up. I remember it was one of them, but okay, well, well okay, whatever I, then. I think they're, it's one or two years for both of them. So Hurdle's, Hurdle's up this year. I mean, it's interesting to see because they got the, the savior on the Evander Kane termination, so that's $7 bucks free, yeah. but at the same time, I mean, Hurdle, you could get a lot for him at the deadline. He'd be the, the number one guy out there. So I'm not sure. It kind of depends what happens with him. If you lose him, you're like, okay, like, probably trade Meyer now, too, if we're going to go fully rebuild. But the issue is they got $30 million in three defense on the back end. So I'm not I'm not really sure. If, if it was me, I'd probably I'd probably let them go just because like, they're very good, good winners. But I, I do think that there's other issues in San Jose that, you know, having those guys for an extra five, six years is only going to maybe get you into the first round, but at the same time, you're not, you're not winning a cup or anything. Right. Well, I, I hate when GMs do a half-ass rebuild. That's why I say, I think if you want to speed up the process, you look at all of your assets that you say, are they going to help or hinder us in our rebuild in the next five years? And, you know, someone who's got a lot of value who could bring in, you know, Probably a high first, probably a good first and a prospect or two, maybe even more than that, knowing how much teams need that offense. And at a $6 million price point, thank you, how are you? Like, I mean, you, you got to think that San Jose is in a prime spot to start the rebuild right now and not be down and out of it for the next, you know, five, six years. It's probably a three-year rebuild or four-year rebuild. Yeah, you'd have teams lining up the door for that, for sure. I'd agree with that. Alrighty, Adam Merman Trout. My guest here. Have a safe trip up to Edmonton. We'll see you tomorrow, buddy. Yeah, sounds good, buddy. Adam Armitrout right there. When we come back, Tyler Kuhl, we'll talk all caps. You already know what it is. It's World Hockey Report. We're coming to you live on 12 Ounce Sports, and we are back after the break. your game to the next level with Pro Rock Hockey Sticks. Pro Rock is changing the way we buy top-of-the-line twigs. They're lightweight, balanced, and provide the perfect kick point. Whether you're a pro hockey player or a beer league legend, Pro Rock Hockey Sticks are made for you. They're at a price point you can't beat, so check them out today at ProRock.com. Play like a Pro Rock.
do here is go back, 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 back. All right, it's World Hockey Report. We are presented by Lord Co. Auto Parts. Visit Lord Co.'s in-store truck centers at select locations today. Now, host of Locked on Caps. Also, one of the best up-and-coming play-by-play voices in the United States of America. It's Tyler Kuhl, my guest. You've heard him on the show before. Tyler, what's going on? How you doing? Janner, you, you say, Janner, that, you know, that I'm the up-and-coming broadcaster. Is that because you finally got, like, a big boy job there with the rush, that you're no longer the up-and-comer that we're all talking about? Well, I'm in Canada. You're in the States. And so, and also, Wait, I, I you thought, do sorry, a lot more hockey. I thought I heard North America. My bad. Fair, fair. I, I, I thought I said hockey as well. I, I don't really do that much hockey. Like, I'll do the odd, like, gig or contract here or there. But I don't know. I mean, la- lacrosse, I've just I've found my niche in it. And I'm rolling with it. It's been fun. So I don't know how much NLL you've got to catch in the Michigan area, but it's a fun sport. It's up and coming as well. Well, yeah, I got NLL. I got ESPN Plus there every single game. I'm listening to you. I'm watching you. Let's go. I know the Russia had some, it didn't have the, has a little bit of a rough start there, but they'll figure it out. You know I mean? As long as you don't beat my rock, I'm okay with that. There you go. A little bit of a rough start. It's just one and four, right? I mean, it's nothing uh, teams haven't overcome before. But let, let's talk about exactly. the Capitals here to start because that Metro is an absolute wagon. And, man, yeah. Ovi just keeps scoring. I mean, where, where do we even start? Like, Fucali's been pinch hitting up there. His shutout streak got broken by his own team scoring on the empty net. Like, dude, just give me the rundown on this Caps team and what it's been like covering them this year. Well, it's certainly interesting because I picked them, and I think a lot of us picked them to finish third in this Metro division. Then again, we all thought the New York Islanders, who albeit have played the least amount of games in the league this season, we thought they were going to be the top of the division. Now, granted, there could be some wild Jordan, Bennington, St. Louis Blue stuff that may happen with them before the end of the season, but certainly things have been a little topsy-turvy in the division, but... Yeah, the Caps have been something this year because there has been no point this year, Janner, that this team has played with the originally planned lineup that we saw, we thought we were going to have at the beginning of training camp. Nicholas Backstrom, of course, didn't come back until December. Uh, there's been COVID issues up and down the lineup. Heck, that's why Fukali's had three starts this year because of the fact that either Sam Sonov, or I remember Banachek was hurt a couple times, and we saw Sam Sonov get ill, and so that's why he's gotten have to to play a little bit. And now you're seeing guys step up, you know, that we didn't think we were going to see this year. Brett Leeson has a few goals. Alexi Protus scores last night, his third goal this season, third of his career. I mean, this is a catch team that finds a way to just win games. And even though I, I've talked to some people, they've been regressing a little bit here over the last stretch. And, you know, I, with this age of this team a little bit, it was kind of expected. I mean, they saw, they had this real hot start to the year at one point where the best team in the national hockey league. And we knew that that was not going to sustain. But you mentioned Ovechkin. Look at his numbers this year. First of all, as of right now, the time we're doing this right now, Janner, he's leading the league in goals and points. 27 goals, 55 points this year, which means he has 28 assists. Now, I want you to go back, Janner, to the last time that Alexander Ovechkin has had more assists than goals. This guy, if there is a Mr. Cy Young of hockey, it's him. More goals and assists about every single year. The last time it happened was 16 and 17. The last year the Caps won the President's Trophy. When I believe he had 30, 30 goals, 33, no, it was 33 goals, 36 assists for 69 points, a very nice number. And, you know, he, 
he just finds his way to keep contributing. He scores a goal last night. It was a big goal too, because the Jets were off and running in early in the game. And, you know, he's just, he's this machine. And I know the, the tale is Russian machine never breaks, but like I keep telling people, I don't know what they give those kids, you know, what him and his brother Sergey were drinking when they were kids, but whatever it is, it's this founding youth stuff that they keep putting them in their system because there's no question about it. I mean, I know people keep looking at McDavid. They keep looking at a guy like, you know, Kucherov and guys that keep putting up big numbers and big games, but Ovechkin in my eyes, I mean, not just the Art Ross conversation because of the point totals for the Rocker Richard, but the Hart Trophy. We got to start talking about this guy. I mean, it's knock on what he doesn't tail off here. He's certainly a, a chance for another MVP on his, on his mantle. Yeah, and, and the heart, it's such a hit or miss. It's, you know, what's what's the MVP? What's the Norris even nowadays? Is it a points contest? Are we actually looking at who's the most valuable to their team? I, I don't know. I mean, the NHL awards, you know my thoughts on it. I don't need to go off on a tangent, but I, I don't disagree. Well, one well the way bit. Victor Hedman played, last, the way Hedman played last night, Janner, I don't know how you can pick the Norris to anyone but him the way he played. My goodness, four D-man, he's the best player for the Lightning last night. Yeah. You yeah, until Kale McCarr scores forty goals as a D man, then uh, then, then we might be then we what might a, be having a different conversation. A, but we don't want to piss off Rangers fans either who think that Adam Fox is the best D man somehow in the league. Don't but, get me started, yeah. Janner. Well, Janner, we only you only have like an hour show here. We don't want to go for three hours on that saga again. Okay, let's let's talk about I, just just a quick thought on the Caps win last night. Then over Winnipeg, it was four three in overtime. Tom Wilson with the OT winner. I mean, this guy would have been playing on Team Canada at the Olympics. You can guarantee that. But just just talk about that win because, as you said, they were a little up and down over the past couple of weeks. Yeah, and that game too because the the Capitals they won two games in a shootout this year, but they're. Going into that night, they were 0-7 in overtime. I've tried to draw up on my whiteboard ways to try to figure out how to get this team to win in overtime, and I don't know. And I maybe it's, you know, Laviolette's trying to coach too much. I remember one time he started, like, Nick Dowd and Daniel Sprong in overtime. And I'm like, what is that? Like, what are you trying to accomplish there? Those aren't the guys who need to score a goal in overtime to win a game. So that's why I think of getting because that's how I was like, dude, I've been this before. Let's try this myself here. Literally almost walks the entire Winnipeg Jets roster into the zone. Ends up creating a scoring chance for Wilson. Wilson bangs in the rebound. And, man, that was a big win because I literally said to myself, I almost wanted to turn the game off. I did my report after the game. Like, I should have just not even watched after 60 minutes because uh, the Caps win in a boring shootout because you know how I feel about shootouts. Or they lose in overtime because it just seems like there's death taxes and the Caps losing no team, especially the way the Jets came back to tie that game. But, you know, you mentioned Tommy Wilson. And, you know, I've been a, I've been a huge critic of him for a long time. You know, the NHL Department of Player Safety and I are never on good terms, and Tom Wilson has a lot to do with that. But this year, with that, him trying to make Team Canada, I know that's not a thing anymore, but he's turned into a different player. He still has that physical force to him and the ability to throw the weight around, but he's becoming a guy that can play on both ends of the rink and is chime in offensively. I mean, last night was the first time in a while that when he's in the lineup, he's not playing on the top line, but you know, they move him down, and it certainly worked out, picks up a goal and an assist, and the game-winning goal in overtime, and you know, it's what goes to the thing about the Caps finding ways to win with different lineups. I mean, shoot, Garnett Hathaway set up Obi on his goal. Yes, that is right. Garnett Hathaway was on the top line, and he set up Alexander Ovechkin. Yeah, that's, former flame. That just shows you how former flame exactly. So it's it's it just shows that this team finds ways to win games, even though you know maybe they don't have the the perfect lineup. They don't need a perfection line. This Caps team does in order to win hockey games. So. You know, they may not be a team that finishes the top of this division, maybe not the top of the league, what have you, but 
you know what, if they keep winning games to find a way to do, there's a chance they could have home ice advantage in that first round. And I think that's what this team is. That's really their goal, obviously, is to win the cup. But, you know, certainly in being good standing when it comes to late April and early May. So just tell us one more thing about the Caps, and that's that Garrett Pilon would help this team instantly on that fourth or third line, correct? Two, 250%, yes. Yeah. I, mean, he, I mean, he came in and he scored his first game, right? Like, this, it's not like he's, you know, and we've seen a lot of these guys do it. Pilon has done it. Uh, Michael Scarbosa, when he's been in the lineup, has done it. I mentioned Leeson and Protus already. A couple of good Prince Albert boys coming up here and making an impact right away. I mean, they, these, I mean, you know, Connor McMichael's been up and down, but like the rookies on this team are, have been big parts and, you know, they got a good thing going down there in Hershey right now. I talk to Zach Hershey all the time and him and I exchange notes and, you know, the bears are right now one of the top teams in their division, the American league. And you can see why with the guys that come up and make immediate impact. And you mentioned Vaughn's one of them. Yeah, no, I, I think that, you know, they could inject some of that youth. And you mentioned McMichael, too, another another great player up and coming. So I know you're already a biased media member the way you've changed your takes on Tom Wilson, but we'll we'll, uh, we'll forget about that for a second. You you obviously heard the Jim Matheson-Leon Dreisaitl thing. I don't have to play it again. It's the whole pissy comment that really sent this thing off. But I want to know from your opinion, you know, Who's in the right? Who's in the wrong? Because you, you've been in both shoes before. You've been a player. You've been a media member. So I just want your take on the situation. Well, I mean, it's, it's well documented. The, this Oilers team has only won two of their last 14 games. Janet, if you go back to Thanksgiving, American Thanksgiving, November 25th, this team has only won four games. The two, I, I think, had an overtime and a shootout loss in there as well. But this team has only won four games since American Thanksgiving. So this team is a little hot under the collar, of course. And yeah, if I'm going to ask, you know, why is the team playing poorly? I would be a little understanding. And I, and I really think, you know, cause in, you and I both know if Twitter was more like Facebook, where there was not a character limit, Jim Matheson would probably do like 500 word essays on Twitter. Okay. And that's, and I think that the players read that not the players aren't oblivious. They're on social media. They see the posts online, the articles, and they know what people are talking about. Then we saw that with Jakob Voracek a couple of years ago as well. And so he has that reputation as Jim Matheson. I'm dare I say being a little outspoken and you know, and Matheson's been around the game for a while. I will say it's kind of, uh, kind of pleasing to know that now a lot of people in the hockey culture know about the Elmer Ferguson award for, uh, from being in the Hockey Hall of Fame for journalism and whatnot, because not many people knew of that before yesterday. Um, and, you know, I, I'll say this. If you're Jim Madison, I've been in those locker rooms where your team, get, your team gets kicked in 10 nothing. you know, and how do you ask the coach and, you know, coach, what went wrong out there? And the answer isn't everything. You know, what do you keep going on that board? Because you know exactly how it is. You know how tough it is. And it's, it's something that if I'm Jim, I leave that question with. I don't acknowledge the fact that, you know, Leon snaps back to me. I just say, okay, thank you very much and move along. I mean, you're, as a journalist, you, you try to report on the stars. You don't try to be the star. That's why I have a problem with what Jim Matheson does here. Leon had every right to snap at him because you keep trying to poke the bear. What are you going to do? Expect not to be a bit? You know, that's, that's, I think this one's on Jim. And, you know, I know a lot of people are going after Jim for this as well. And, you know, to each their own, but, you got to know as a journalist, when's the right time to ask a question like that? You know, I remember I, you know, I was doing, you know, some PHF coverage. I was talking to one of the owners and, you know, I asked the source part of the question. I'm like, what's the relationship between the league and the PWHPA? You know, knowing that if I got a one word answer, I was going to move along. I wasn't going to try to keep poking in front because then again, some of that stuff's not in my business. It's personal. 
You know, why is Leon Drysdale being busy? Why does it matter to Jim? It's not his. Doesn't matter why. Maybe you know you don't know what Leon's going through. Not just the fact that team's bad on the ice. How is he off the ice? You don't know. You know, it's it's an unnecessary question if you ask me. There, Janner. I fully agree with that. And you you hit the the nail on the head when you know I've talked about it before. Is that why he's pissy? Is really none of and, and even if it's not hockey related, right? Like, what if he got in a fender bender? What if his dog pissed on his bed or the rug in the morning? Like, I, I mean, I, it sounds funny, but like, let's be real. These are humans. You know, they've got actual yeah. lives. They don't just play hockey. They don't live at the rink. And sometimes you're just not in a good mood. Sometimes you don't want to talk to, you know, journalists. Sometimes you don't want to talk to radio, TV people. And that's fine. That's a part of life. But why are we poking the bear at something like this? Okay, so we aren't going to talk about the Met because we're almost out of time here. And we all know that Pittsburgh's an absolute wagon right now. But the, the PHF there. Now, this is something in, in other lines of work. We don't need to dive into that. I don't want to put myself in any trouble. But I, I've taken issue to some of the stuff, not so much with the PHF. It was back when it was the NWHL and just the way that they ran some of their things. It's well documented. It wasn't ideal. But they made a huge commitment here. And that's pretty much upping the... I know minimum's not exactly going to be thirty grand, but I think that's going to be about the average salary of the player now, which puts them on par or ahead of the East Coast Hockey League. And that's a big damn step, Tyler. So what's your thoughts when you saw that? Do you think that this is going to be, you know, the the thing that ends the, the PWHPA? Do you think it's going to aggravate them a little bit more that they're having success and maybe the PWHPA isn't having as much? I don't know. I, I want your overall opinion here. Well, I, I myself, first thing, I, I saw the release that came out Monday after, Monday evening. Mike Murphy from the Ice Garden posted it, uh, the release in an email saying that there's going to be an announcement Tuesday morning. First of all, I thought, great. It means I get to wake up to news for once. I don't have to wait throughout the day wait for anticipation. It's right away. And I was happy. I was excited because I'm, I'm a proponent of women. I'm an advocate for women's hockey. I love women's hockey. I love talking about women's hockey. I don't care what level it's played at. I don't care what side they're on. I don't care if it's Dream Gap Tour. I don't care if it's the Isabel Cup. I want women's hockey to Is it pronounced the Isabel Cup or the Isabel Cup? Isabel Cup. I've I've heard it said both ways. Yeah, okay, okay. I've just been saying it wrong. No big deal. We'll move on. (laughs) Whenever whenever I hear Tyler Tomania say it's Isabel Cup, so you can't go wrong with the finish, right? Um, But but you mentioned uh, with Tyler. I was listening to Tyler Tomania on an interview yesterday on radio out there in Toronto, and she said, that you know, there were players from the PWHPA that reached out to her that were asking for the details on this. You know, this, and you know, you mentioned a little. I estimated it out, give or take, an average close to thirty to thirty-two American thousand uh, dollars, American dollars uh, per player with this seven hundred fifty thousand dollars salary. Now, granted, there will be. I I'm not sure exactly. Nothing's been confirmed, but you would probably want to presume that some players may get paid a little bit more. I mean, you have like the Jillian Dempsey's and Michaela Grant Mendes's. Uh, the, the Madison Packers, you know, there's some really good players that may get a little bit more than some, but you know, this is a step towards a fully sustainable professional women's hockey league. That's really the biggest thing. And that was the goal of the PWHPA. And I'm not, you know, there's been, like I said, I talked with Tobin Keller, the principal owner of the Connecticut whale on lockdown NHL yesterday. And we talked about how, you know, what is the conversation? And there, there are talks, but there's, there's nothing. It's obviously just words right now. Nothing, no movement going on. There's no, we're going to, you know, become one or we're going to stay separate. 
because at one point, yeah, the CWHL and the NWHL were heated rivals. It was like the WCW and WWF back in the 90s. No one talked to either side. It was an absolute war to try to see who could get the better players. Does this move mean that we're going to see some of the Kendall Coin School fields? Are we going to see, you know, the Marie-Philippe Plans come over, you know, the top players that are playing the PWHP, the Abbey Rocks and, and what have you? I don't know. I can't say right now, but certainly the, the sign is there that there's players that realize that, wow, you know, we're, you know, we're trying out these showcases and whatnot, and, and they're drawing, but these are showcases that happen once, twice a month. These are games that are happening every single weekend on ESPN Plus down here internationally as well. These games are being broadcasted just about everywhere. It's impossible to not find the PHF right now. And that's something I think players that are part of the PWHP are going to realize here. So I'm not saying we're going to see any quote-unquote defections, but we may see a, 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 a system here that is going to see some players maybe move back over here to the PHF because they see that pro women's hockey. It's not something we're talking about in the future, Cody. This is not something that, you know, is a goal. This is something that is right now. And that's what's exciting about the Premier Hockey Federation. Tyler, man, we could talk for hours. I appreciate you taking the time as always. Keep up the good work of the Locked On Caps. As always, man, we'll talk soon. All right, Jana, you take care, man. Tyler you right there from Locked On Caps. He's also up-and-coming hockey play-by-play voice. You're going to hear him around. I mean, this guy has been calling under-18s at the international level. It's interesting. We can talk about sustainability in women's hockey, and that could be a full-hour show, but we got to take a break. When we come back, let's talk Ducks. Let's talk Cali with Annie O'Donnell on World Hockey Report. your game to the next level with Pro Rock Hockey Sticks. Pro Rock is changing the way we buy top-of-the-line twigs. They're lightweight, balanced, and provide the perfect kick point. Whether you're a pro hockey player or a beer league legend, Pro Rock Hockey Sticks are made for you. They're at a price point you can't beat, so check them out today at ProRock.com. Play like a Pro Rock.
here is go back 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 It's World Hockey Report. Cody Jansen here. We are presented by Lordco Auto Parts. Find a store near you at lordco.com. Shout out to everyone who makes this show possible, including Pro Rock Hockey Sticks. We're coming to you live from the Pro Rock Broadcast Studios. And Sports Travel Tours, the absolute best in sports traveling around the world. Now let's snap it over down to California. Annie O'Donnell is with us to talk ducks. Annie, I mean... I guess the the cool video I saw from Anaheim lately was the Troy Terry announcement. But what's it like? Is it a big deal to Anaheim Ducks fans and media members that you're going to have two players in the All-Star game? And not just any All-Star game. This is a game that's kind of close to home for you. It's in Vegas. It ain't that far away. No, not at all. I would say about a eh, on a good day, a three and a half, four hour drive from Southern California. But no, it is a big deal. And I think, um, you know, as California hockey fans, we really don't get a good rep as uh, being very passionate or knowledgeable about the game, which couldn't be further from the truth. And with the amount of players that were in that uh, last men in vote in the Pacific Division, Ducks fans came out strong and voted our guy in. And he deserves it. I mean, he's sitting at six in the league in goals and had that 16 game point streak. He is just absolutely exceeded all expectations this year. And it has to be honestly the best deal this year. He's only making $1.4 million this year and next year, which, you know, once that contract's up, you know, he's going to be asking for more, but it has to be one of the best deals in the league right now. But it's uh it's a good time to be a Ducks fan. And just the energy in the in the arena has changed, you know, starting to see more new faces, more people. Of course, that could be also attributed to a young kid from New York named Trevor Zegris. But it's been a good time. And, um, you know, obviously going into this season, the expectations were pretty low for this team. I mean, I remember looking at everybody's predictions and a lot of people had the ducks finishing last in the league, which, you know, we're still at the midway point in the season. So I won't say that that's entirely out the window yet, but you know, they've surprised a lot of people and you know, myself included just a lot of players exceeding expectations set for them. A lot of guys really playing for each other. And you could see that the locker room chemistry is in there. They're battling some COVID-19 related stuff right now, which I know is not an excuse because every team's having their battles with that. You know, you can just ask the New York Islanders that, but no, it's been a, it's been a fun run so far and excited to have Troy Terry and, uh, and Gibby uh, representing our team and our fan base in Vegas. Do you think the mood around the team's changed since November when Bob Murray, you know, resigned, fired, stepped aside, whatever happened there behind the scenes? Do you think the mood has changed of the franchise in general, not just the players, not just the fans, but the team as a whole? Absolutely. Honestly, I think everybody knew that if the team was ever going to move forward, if the team was ever going to get out of this dump and chase old school, good old game style of hockey and not evolve with the way the game is going. Cause that's, you know, that's been the ducks. The ducks have always been known as this physical gritty team and that's helped them win a lot of hockey games. I mean, hell that's that helped them win the Stanley cup in 2007, but in 2021, 2022, that's not the way the game's played that much anymore. And the Ducks were very behind on getting up to speed with that. And Bob Murray was a big part of that, not even to mention all the off-ice issues and the workplace abuse that that occurred with him. And um, I knew his con- – you know, we knew his contract was up this year. It would be uh, his possibly his last year. A lot of other names tossed around as a possible replacement. But 
it needed to happen. You know, some he was the speed bump in the road for this team to move forward. And right now you got Jeff Solomon, um, who did a lot of work with the L.A. Kings and their cup run. But he's in the interim GM right now. Hasn't done a lot of moves besides picking up a couple guys off waivers. But our hope uh, is that he'll be very active at the trade deadline. Uh, so we'll see what moves he makes there. I think that's kind of the mood right now with this team is, yes, they're exceeding expectations, but this team is still a young rebuilding team. We want to make sure that we're still in rebuild mode and focusing, playing long game in a sense. And we're not, you know, cup or bust because this team, while they're good, while they've, you know, turned a lot of heads, you know, made a lot of highlight reels this year, this team's not going to win the Stanley Cup. This team's not going to go on a cup run. So I'm very anxious to see what Jeff Solomon does around the deadline in March. But other than that, you know, it definitely has changed. You can just tell by, you know, the way the players interact, the way, you know, even the fans too. And even some of the, you know, you kind of heard about, the workplace stuff and, you know, even the content wise, you just see the ducks just having more fun on social media with their stuff and yeah, all their, you know, fun videos, like the Troy Terry one you mentioned, but the, like the bear where around Christmas time where Kevin Shattenkirk was in the teddy bear suit and scaring people like this team just seems a lot more lax and a lot more, you know, with the times. And it's fun to see because, you know, when things like that are happening and there's, you know, toxicity in an organization or environment usually starts at the top. And apparently that's where the source was in the general manager's office. So all the best that, uh, that uh, he got out of there. But I, while I am saying that the team's better off with him, I hope he's uh, getting the help he needs. I know he um, is entered an alcohol abuse program, so hope he's doing well. Hope his program's going well, but it was the best thing for the ducks uh, to part ways with Bob Murray. Bang on, Annie O'Donnell, my guest here. So it sounds like you took your fan hat off and you got your GM hat on. So I'm going to pose you a trade here for the best player in the world. Connor McDavid, you can have him on the Ducks for the small price of Troy Terry, Trevor Zegras, and John Gibson. Deal or no deal? No deal. No deal. Generational player, the best player in the world. You'll never draft him. I know. No deal. I... That's that's a lot. I, I don't even think that would get it done, to be honest. So you're going to look work. Ducks fans in the eyes and you're going to say, we can have Connor McDavid, but we got to pay a pretty hefty price here. And you, you think they're going to be happy with that as you, you as the GM? Ducks fans are not. Well, one, I, Ducks fans have just fallen so in love with Trevor Zegers. And I, I'm trying to think, listen, as far as talent goes, there's no question. Connor McDavid's the best player in the world. No one's going to, no one's going to argue that, but I'm thinking like face of the franchise player off the, you know, person off the ice. There is a, what is there not to like about Trevor Zegers? He's so funny. He's so personable. He is what this franchise has been craving for so long. I mean, with all, I love Paul Correa, but he's not a very personable social guy. He's very, you know, stoic to himself. Gets laughed. You know, he kind of lightens up when you, uh, when you kind of, when he gets comfortable, but on, you know, very captain and stoic in interviews, the closest we had was Timu. Obviously he's, you know, larger than life personality. And that's, you know, Zegers kind of gives me that, that Timu kind of feel. So that's what this franchise needs. I'm sticking with my man, Trevor, and I, I'm not Gibby. You know, that's no, I don't like that trade at all, but I, I don't even see Edmonton. I, I see Edmonton wanting more than those three pieces. If they're going to ship out Connor McDavid. 
I don't know. I've seen crazier. No, that's oh, hey, it's, it's seen- just a fun one we have on Twitter. So I, I thought we were getting some pretty funny responses. And Ducks fans were actually very vocal on that. So I knew I had to ask you about it. On a little bit more of a 360 serious note here, obviously, I mean, Evander Kane played in San Jose, and now it looks like he's going to be signing in Edmonton. I think I'm pretty confident in saying that, the way the chips are falling into place here. You were very vocal about it on social media, but I, I feel like you made some good points as well and, and you know everyone was kind of saying hey this isn't a second chance but I, I want to give you the spotlight here if you want to elaborate on on some of the things that went through your mind when you saw Evander Kane getting more looks in the NHL and then seeing you know the way that players handled in the media saying hey off ice it's really not my problem I'm here to play hockey I, I mean it rubbed me the wrong way but I want to give you the floor Yeah, I mean, first of all, there's no denying that Evander Kane's a talented hockey player. People are throwing the word elite around when talking about him, which I wouldn't go that far just yet. I think he has elite potential, but as far as, you know, what he's produced so far in his career, I wouldn't say elite. He's not in the elite category yet, but he is a very talented hockey player, obviously led the San Jose Sharks in scoring last year, which I know doesn't say much. The San Jose Sharks were below 500, but... Still a guy that can produce on a great hockey team. And, you know, you think about the likes of him going on a team with Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, a team that's, you know, absolutely plummeting right now. You think, yeah, maybe, you know, maybe that could work. But at the end of the day, we're moving. To, I think feel like the game is just moving to a place where the fans care about the athletes that are playing for their favorite team. They want the character to match, you know, their values. They want to support players that are good people and that wear the Jersey, the logo and represent the fan base with pride. And given what we know about Evander Kane and his past, you know, I would have to, I would make the conclusion that this guy is not the greatest guy and not the guy that I would want representing my team and my franchise. And also just the fact that we know that, you know, the San Jose Sharks, some of the players didn't even want him back in the locker room. And you look about it, you look at a team like Edmonton where Connor McDavid takes to the media and says, you know, they'll have whatever, like get over it, you know, if they don't like it, whatever. I was like, that's your captain. Is locker room chemistry, is anything that happens there, distractions outside of the rink, is that any part of a concern to you, first of all? But, you know, you want good people in your organization. You want good people playing for your team. And I just think that given what we know about Evander Kane, the abuse allegations, the assault allegations, you know, gambling aside, but what message does it send to your fans and to the team about bringing a guy in here for, this isn't a, like you said, this isn't a second chance. Like second chance was years ago. What does it say to your fans and what's the message you're sending to everybody involved in that organization? If you bring a guy like this in, I just, I think people need to think, more clearly about this because, and this isn't just an Evander Kane issue. You know, I felt the same way about Brendan Leipzig when his text messages came out and how the Capitals cut him, felt the same way about Mitch Miller and the Coyotes and felt the same way about Logan Mayu, the draft pick for the Canadians this year. You know, you, you need it. The character of the players you're drafting and signing, it matters. You know, no gone are the days where, you know, being a good hockey player excuses bad character and bad behavior off the ice. So, I'm not, a, I think he will get signed. Uh, you know, hockey's still hockey and people want to win hockey games. So I think he will end up on another team. But um, 
I just hope it's not my team and I don't think it will be, but, um, and listen, I'm all for, you know, improving yourself as a player, improving yourself as a person, but he's had chance after chance at this point. That's well said. I, I mean, I can't say it any better. That's why I figured you'd be the one to, to speak on that. And it's incredible to hear from you. I mean, it's incredible that you're willing to speak up from it. And, and I mean, honestly, it's cool to see the Ducks have some success. It's been a while. I mean, it was the yeah. 07 run was cool. You had Sasky guy Getsy there. He's still finding a way to tear it up. So it's uh, it's pretty cool to see hockey down in Anaheim succeeding once again. Thank you so much for taking the time today, Annie, though. I really appreciate it. And we'll connect soon. Anytime, Cody. Thank you so much for having me. Always a blast chatting with you. Annie O'Donnell right there, coming to you live from California on World Hawk. Your part huge thanks to her for taking the time. And speaking on a sensitive issue like Evander Kane signing back in the NHL, that's an uncomfortable topic, but it's something that needs to be discussed. I think that's the only way you can really put it at this point where... Are we really willing to, you know, jeopardize what the NHL is hopefully building towards just for having a guy like that in the league? I don't know. It's interesting. Also, Connor McDavid for Troy Terry, Trevor Zegers, John Gibson. Are you pulling the trigger? I don't know. Let us know. we got two minutes left here. But just a reminder, the Hockey Podcast Network and DraftKings, we're on to the divisional round of the NFL playoffs and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is celebrating with a huge odds boost for new customers. Counting down to the Super Bowl 56, new customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any team. Any team, 56 to 1 odds, okay. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. You got to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5, win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code THPN for 56 to 1 odds at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You got to be 21 years or older, New Jersey, Indiana, Pennsylvania only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit, $1 wager required, one per customer restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. And if you got a gambling problem, please, please, please call 1-800-GAMBLER. The Hockey Podcast Network. If you miss any of our conversations as well with Adam Bermatro, Tyler Kuehl, or Annie O'Donnell, please go to the Hockey Podcast Network and download it. They are the absolute best issues team. They've been helpful through everything that's going on in the hockey world hey we appreciate it the people that followed up with us saying hey why aren't you you know where's the show where's the show coming back we're back we're coming back wednesdays noon right here 12 ounce sports we're back it's gonna be jansen we're gonna have some fun here too it's not gonna be negative oilers talk negative hockey talk there's gonna be a lot of fun hockey played including the olympics if it happens we'll dive into that next week it's cody jansen everyone be kind be better (laughs) 